2: It's time
3: for a Big Blue Kickoff Live.
2: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you didn't. On
3: Giants.com. You know
4: what I saw?
3: New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 oh,
4: is the right. final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and
5: it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go
4: out there like a bunch of crazy dogs.
5: Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. We're here to break down all that is happening with the New York football Giants as we gear up for preseason game number two coming your way Sunday at MetLife Stadium as the Giants will host the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. We'll certainly delve into that and more and an opportunity for you to weigh in at 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show, our entire podcast network, on the Giants. Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, Brian Dable spoke to the media as well as a few players and assistant coaches. We'll give you some of the highlights of that. A lot to certainly tap into. And where I want to start, Paul, is obviously not necessarily a positive development, but the injury bug is spreading across this team And it's important for the fans to understand that could now all of a sudden change the philosophy of the coaching staff in how much or how many of the starters they want to play. And I want to focus on the offensive line. It's been well documented given what transpired in the preseason opener. They already lost a few guys, but even some of the backups are getting banged up. So what Dable had insinuated is... Initially, the plan was Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, all those guys are going to be out there. Now they may be at least rethinking it, given the fact that you sometimes don't want to put out your star quarterback if you don't have all of your fully healthy offensive linemen ready to protect him.
4: I suspect the starters will still start the game, Lance, but I think they will play fewer snaps than anticipated. I got the feeling that he wanted to play them for a full quarter, now sure. maybe it's just going to be one possession. I, I I got a hunch that's the way it's going to play out. You're talking about, at the moment, they've gone through five different injured centers over the course of the last two weeks. Max Garcia is the only one who has centered a snap in an NFL game, and he is healthy and ready to go. He was the starting center with the first team during today's practice. Uh, beyond that... They don't have anybody else who has taken a center snap in a game.
5: Well, and they just added offensive linemen to the roster earlier today, too. One of the guys actually was connected to Brian Dable when he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama in 2017. I'm referring to Chris Owens, undrafted rookie. So they're bringing him in, and they're going to play him at multiple positions. But remember, he's got to get acclimated to the offense. Forget Mm -hmm. about where you're putting him. He doesn't even know the Giants' offense. Then they brought back Josh Rivas, an undrafted rookie out of Kansas State. They had waived him earlier this week to get the roster down to 85. So it's really my favorite term. It's the game of musical chairs. But what are you going to do at this point? I mean, they can only go with the bodies they have on the roster, and that's more of a reason why I think you need to be careful. And I don't want to bring back bad memories, but it refers back to, if you remember, Paul, the Giants-Jets preseason game when Rex Ryan was the head coach. And what does he do? He puts Mark Sanchez in the game late in the contest, which is even more of a head-scratcher behind third-string offensive linemen. You're going up against Giants players that are itching to make a statement to make the roster, and Sanchez gets hurt, and that obviously opened the door for Geno Smith, who later became a member of the Giants. I'm not saying the Giants are going to go down that road. The point is, I think Dable's coming from the mindset, how much do you want to expose some of your best quarterbacks to offensive linemen that are not even used to playing those positions?
4: Well, I think he probably would like to get a look at what the Bengals' plan is for the game, too. As of this hour, I don't believe we've seen any Bengals' snap counts being divulged. Uh, The game is Sunday night at 7 o'clock, so maybe it's still a bit early. Maybe they haven't had their media avails yet. But, But I don't know what the Bengals plan to do with their starters, if they plan to play them at all. Remember, they're in a much different place than the Giants. They went to the Super Bowl last year. Sure, They don't have a new coaching staff with a new system, with a bunch of players on the roster who are brand new and fresh because of a a roster churn and turnover. So it would probably make a lot more sense for them if they wanted not to play any of their starters for them to do so and maybe maybe that's going to be part of the equation too. I mean, do you really want Hendrickson, although he's on the edge, he's not necessarily, you know, going to be rushing inside against the center, but do you really want the the best Bengals guys to be coming after another makeshift offensive line situation? I will tell you this, okay? Will Holden right now, who is primarily a tackle and has done a little guard He's been with eight organizations and played for four different teams over the course of his career since he came into the NFL with the Cardinals in 2017. He is the second string center right now, okay? He's the guy who, besides Garcia, took snaps at today's practice. The guy's had nine career starts and 27 career appearances and none of them at center, And he's probably going to play, what, the whole second half in this game? I don't think they're going to try to get him in there any earlier than that. I think they'll try to give Garcia the first half so as to give their offensive line some semblance of a guy who can give them normalcy. Because Garcia has played enough center in this league before. But beyond that, I mean... Lance, seriously, sure. Holden is probably going to be the second half center this week. That's that's not a great recipe.
5: No, not at all. And that's more of a reason why, if you're going to put Daniel Jones out there, you put Max Garcia out there with the rest of the starting offensive linemen. If you want to your point to see them maybe go up against some of the Bengals starters. Now, I will say this, Paul. If guys like Hendrickson are going to play, and DJ Reader, and I'm not saying I know for sure, I think that is valuable for this Giants offensive line. For Andrew Thomas, for Evan Neal to get some snaps, maybe, specifically against Hendrickson, you'd want to see those individuals maybe one-on-one. Everybody else who's not getting tested by a starter, who you consider a starter, I don't know how much you're really going to learn about your group overall. Meaning, if the Bengals don't play, they're starting corners or they're starting safety. That's what I'm getting at. But if Hendrickson's out there, yeah, I'd like to see him get a few snaps against Andrew Thomas or Evan Neal, depending on, you know, where they line him up. Because I do think from at least the individual standpoint, it's good film. It's a good state of evaluation.
4: You know, for me, and I know John wrote about this in, in one of the questionnaires that came up on Giants.com this week, I actually would like to see the Bengals starting receivers go up against this Giants secondary. Now, the only thing that's scary about that is that the Giants, in my opinion, have a terrific starting five. But beyond the starting five, I am very concerned about how this depth chart looks, especially with Flott still nursing, you know, a bit of a groin situation. Uh, and they badly need him to help thicken that that cornerback depth chart. Uh, and at safety, uh, Look, Lance, I- I'm going to be honest with you. I know that Andrew Thomas has been in this league for a while, and he certainly has done some good things on special teams, but I'm just not so sure I feel great about whoever the Giants' third safety is going to be. You're so, talking about Andrew
5: Adams, right? Andrew I Adams. I said okay. Thomas. Yeah, Did I yeah say you <laughs> said Thomas. That's why. What's not <laughs> so, true? What are we talking yeah. about? <laughs> so, so
4: they are really thin at safety, and they are really thin at corner. And it's not just a boundary. I mean— Honestly, if I said to you, if you had to start regular season game one tomorrow, beyond your starting five, who is your number one reserve boundary corner? Who is your number one reserve slot corner? And who is your number three safety? At the moment, I would be kind of concerned about all three of those spots, albeit reserves. We're not talking about the starting five. I really love the starting five. But it's... I guess you want to call them numbers six, seven, and eight if you if you want to number them that way. I just don't know exactly how that looks right now.
5: Well, and I think those questions were emerging all throughout the offseason when we were just talking about the state of the roster, given the young guys and really the land of the unknown. So to answer your question, I don't think much has changed given this first wave or second wave, however you want to refer to it, with respect to training camp. Now, I know you were high and we had conversations about this, as you just mentioned, with the starters at those respective positions. I would still say the jury is out even with some of the starters. I would say McKinney I think you feel good about. Julian Love, love his versatility, pun intended. And Adoree, I think you have an idea. But, you know, Darnay Holmes has had his ups and downs over his last few seasons. Aaron Robinson did not play an entire year. I think those two positions, it's fair to at least question what you know what you're going to get out of them. The other three guys I'll give you. I think there's some substance there there's at least the stage of the evaluation is it's not as much of a guessing game as some of those other players. So, of course, when we're talking about the guys that are backing up some of the question marks, yeah, you're definitely still sort of in a wait-and-see type of approach. Though, I think Andrew Adams, though, I would say, Paul, puts them at least in a spot where you've got a lot of experience, at least, on the depth chart. Way more experience than any of those other guys combined. Radarius Williams, Cordell Flott. Darren Evans is an undrafted rookie. You mentioned Dane Belton, who's not even healthy right now. Yusuf Corker, who's another undrafted rookie, as well as Trenton Thompson and Zion Gilbert. I mean, all of these guys I just named, Paul, they haven't played one NFL regular season snap. So the good news about a guy like Andrew Adams is he's been within your organization, but I don't know how much value that holds given the fact that it was a completely new coaching staff. That was working with him then compared to now. But at least he's been in a lot of NFL regular season games. He's moved around. I think that's a nice security blanket to at least have at your disposal, especially with the question marks at the other younger guys.
4: Well, to take you back a few months going into this offseason, and certainly after the draft, I know the Giants were counting on uh, Belton to be part of that safety mix and probably to be the number three safety. And so that's why Andrew Adams becomes an important player here because, quite frankly, Corker had a couple of very small flashes when he first got here, you know, in the rookie camp. Since then, uh, there hasn't been a lot of flash. So, so that, that's a disappointment that Belton went and got hurt, and now you don't know exactly where he stands. You know, that, that's, that's a situation where I think it's probably a couple of more weeks. It might come down to the wire for the 53 to see if he makes it onto the 53 as opposed to going IR before the 53 is named. I think it's going to be right down to the wire for him.
5: Well, he'd have to go, Paul, just real quick, he'd have to go after the 53 is finalized. He'd only go on if you go, only if you want him to play. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm referring to giving him a chance to come back. Right. I would if he, he goes, goes believe, on IR before the 53, he's, he's done. done for the season. Correct. But I would think that they'd want to give him a shot to return. I would think so. it was just a broken so? clavicle. I would think so. So, but here's the
4: problem: they've got so many other injuries at so many other positions. Can they afford to save a spot for him? Remember, they're going to have to save a spot for Sterling Shepard, okay? Because they think that Sterling Shepard's going to be on the 53. Oh, that's right. John's telling me that's right. He's pup. He's she, pup. Shepard's yeah. pup, so you don't have to worry about a well, spot on Well, because Shepard could go frame. directly to regular correct. season
5: pup. That's, that's correct. Option. That's yep. correct. That's correct.
4: Uh, That's correct. I'm I'm drawing a blank on that one. But they do have enough of guys banged up right now where you don't know how many they may have to stash on the 53 and then put them on IR after that final roster is released. There are just so many injuries right now, you just don't know. So, A... Belton's injury was very, very unfortunate because they were counting on some snaps out of him. Rodarius Williams coming off that ACL last year, I happen to know this this staff, they like him as much as the old staff did. And it is incredibly unfortunate that he's been slow coming back from the ACL because he could have provided them depth on the boundary and then obviously now flot you know, comes up with the groin, and when he got drafted, there was hope that he would provide some snaps as depth at corner, and at the moment, we're not exactly sure, we think he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but we just don't know, so they went from a position where they may have had some plausible answers, at least they thought they did, to a position of right now, we just have to wait and see, because we're kind of dancing in the
5: dark. Well, you could say the same thing even about the offensive line, to your point, Paul, because, for example, Joshua Zudu, who was your third-round pick, you drafted him. Exactly. Because you can move him around. The problem is now he's banged up, so you can't even utilize his skill set to fill in for some of the front-line guys that are hurt. Without a doubt. This is why the depth chart really could come back to bite you if the injuries start carrying over there. Even Jamil Douglas is another guy, okay, on the depth chart. He's banged up. And Ben Bredesen, we didn't even bring up. Here's another guy mm-hmm. that's now dealing with the injury bug, and he was a guy that was filling in at center and sort of a jack-of-all-trades type of player. So as much as we're focusing on the Giants, some of the starters like Shane Lemieux and John Feliciano, but you now have three guys who have a legitimate shot to have made this team as offensive linemen six, seven, eight, or 9. They're not even... Healthy and accessible. So that's the real killer. That's why they're bringing back some undrafted rookies or bringing some guys off the street onto the team because at this point, and I hate to use this term, but let's face it, they need bodies. I mean, that's the You're bottom right. line. They need guys to fill spots and stand there and run just the basic X's and O's within the offensive scheme. That's Lance, where they're at right you now. You
4: know what? This just goes to show you that no matter how good or how much you've planned to rebuild the offensive line or any other position for that matter, Injuries can strike you down at any time, and it doesn't matter who the general manager is. You can keep flopping out the names all you like. You can keep bringing in new guys. You can keep signing new guys. You can draft guys. But you know what? The injury bug doesn't know who the GM is. When it wants to bite you in the butt, it bites you in the butt, and it causes turmoil. And that's the name of that tune. That's why people need to understand when it comes to injuries being a significant reason why plans don't work out. Well, guess what? It's legitimate. It's not an excuse.
5: You can't predict them. That's why it becomes such a wild card. The other thing that I think you learn from all of this is we could sit here for months and evaluate a roster based on paper. Tell me what the roster looks like September 11th when you start week one, right? Don't tell me how your roster looks like in April because I guarantee you it's going to look a lot different 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you here. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll get into some more coming out of camp, but let's open up the dialogue as we move forward here. Joe is in Pennsylvania joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Joe?
6: Uh, you guys are talking what's happening. It sounds like it's reminiscing of last year with Joe Judge. There all the injuries we had there like that, and he couldn't play the players, you know. Uh, are we cursed or what? What's going on there? Well, different
5: personnel, different circumstances. I understand yeah. it's not necessarily encouraging to hear them pile up in the preseason, but I don't know necessarily if there's a yeah. main connection there. See, what, the
4: only what, thing what? I would say to you is I, I, I mentioned this to John the other day on the show. I would probably venture that if the Giants had to play a regular season game, as many as half of these guys could probably go if they had to. So let me make that clear. These are still training camp injuries, and and that's why they're ultra-cautious. At the same time, this is a team that, as Coach Brian Dable says, you need practice reps if you're going to be good players and get good player reps. So while I don't panic about, okay, they're not missing real regular season games, and they may not. The reps and the preparation that has been lost is certainly something you have to shake your head at.
5: Especially What's when the... you have a young team and new schemes. Yeah, What's going on with Tony now? I, I didn't hear, did he be into himself? Should be back
4: momentarily. He he still has some lingering uh, soreness, lower body soreness. He had had a, a knee procedure during the off season. But uh, today was doing the most at practice that I've seen. He's been ramping up the last few days, and I think he's extremely close. But I don't necessarily believe he'll play against the Bengals.
6: No, I wouldn't put him in. I've seen enough already from Barkley. I'd put him in bubble wrap. He He's running the ball good. He's catching the ball. So the other backs, let them get in there. You know what I mean? Run him a series or two and put him in bubble wrap to the start of the season. So, uh, uh, Paul, I, I like your talking uh, of uh, O.J. Anderson and everything there. I think I can recall where when Parcells called for him the. They go in there to replace the running back. He said, oh, I can't go in. I have my my old uh, practice uh, uh, pants on. Wasn't that true or something like that? 1990
4: playoffs against the Bears, Rodney Hampton breaks his foot, and Otis has to go into the game. Now, Rodney was the bell cow at that point in the season, even though they had the kind of split snaps during the entire year. By that point, Rodney was the guy. And so even though Otis was dressed on the sidelines, he actually had his old jersey pants on or his old uniform pants on, not his current ones. They were the warm-up ones that he was using for practice. He really didn't think he was going to get in the game. But all of a sudden, Bill's like, uh, guess what? Rodney's hurt. You're going in. And so he wound up wearing those practice pants throughout the rest of the postseason yeah. as a good luck charm. And somehow it it helped him win a Super Bowl MVP.
6: <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I, I I recall it came back to me there when you were talking about this stuff there there too, and I, I agree with you with special teams. I was watching this last game there. We punted the ball. I'm counting thousand one thousand two thousand three. There's no giants coming in the screen. <laughs> What's going on? You know, really, you know. So with with special teams too, and it, it's it's not only if there's four or six plays, you know, it, you know, you set up at the thirty five, forty yard line each time. That's a momentum thing for them too. The other team, you know, it, it it's a big thing. Special teams too. I agree. Now getting on to uh, Gall Day is what I wanted to talk about there. My my reasoning is with with him, You know, is he the right fit for this system where Kansas city had speed receiver there. And so did Buffalo when they ran their, their plays, but our number one receiver, you know, I'd I'd say gall you know, does he fit the system or are they going to run plays for him? Specifically is what I'm asking.
5: Well, I think they're going to run plays for Galladay specifically. We were talking about this during the off season, Joe, Kansas city and Buffalo. I mean, maybe you could throw Stefan Diggs into the conversation. They didn't really have a Galladay. So this is sort of something fresh in comparison, but they also have Kadarius Tony and Wandel Robinson and Sterling right. Shepard and Barkley who match similar skill sets to what Buffalo and Kansas City did have. So all Galladay is, is he's just an additional piece, but it's not like they don't have guys that do match what they previously ran.
6: I, I was wondering if he could run Kansas City's uh, tight end system. He's uh, what's their uh, Travis tight end Kelsey? Kansas, you're talking about? Yeah, run whatever he did. He's always open there and whatever. Put him in that system, you know. It. it he's always there, you know. And it, I don't, you know. He well, don't Kelsey was also separate. used
5: as a blocker, though, too. In right. Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't guess. think they're gonna right. have but, Holiday do much of that. But didn't
6: they they split him off the line a lot, too, and he just ran routes? (laughs) Sure, they did.
5: But, I mean, remember, Kelsey also plays a different position at the tight end spot. So I don't think that it's going to be identical in terms of the usage, Joe, and appreciate the phone call. I think that certainly Galladay's size, Paul, presents him opportunities to maybe be utilized here or there. But I don't see him as the duplication of Travis Kelsey Within this new offense, no, n-
4: not in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But I think the key here it really comes down to matchups, Lance. You know, it's one of the reasons why I always advocate a skyscraper in that room, because week to week, as you go through the matchups, there are going to be times when new, you know, your skyscraper is going to have a huge advantage against the other team's boundary corners. You just know that. I mean, look, I'm not saying that Galladay is plexical Burris because Burris was one of the most dynamic receivers, if not the most purely dynamic receiver in Giants history, with all due respect to Homer Jones, okay, or even Odell Beckham. The truth is what, what Burris did here for his three-and-a-half seasons was just he was a game-changer, a tremendous impact player. And, you know, when when Eli would throw the ball up to him, And he had that size advantage in certain matchups. He destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles when he was here. He was one of the reasons why Tom was able to all of a sudden turn the tide and knock off Philadelphia after they had owned the Giants for several years. And that's what you want to be able to do. Remember what Burris did to Al Harris in Lambeau in the playoffs? Sure. When they played the Packers? 11 grabs that day. I mean, he just totally undressed him in that freezing cold tundra of Lambeau Field. Totally undressed the guy. And Al Harris was a veteran corner with some resume to him. And and it was like, no, no, we think that Burris can destroy him. And that's what he did. You want to be able to tell Galladay on certain weeks, these are the weeks where you will destroy the opposition. You're just going to eat them alive and there's nothing they can do to stop you. But by the same token, As I've said on this program before, I do think the Giants will spread it around a lot, especially amongst the smaller guys, and certain matchups will lend certain guys to becoming the leading receivers on those given days.
5: Yeah, I mean, we got into this all throughout the offseason. I'm with you. I do think it's going to be a spread-the-wealth type of philosophy. I think there could be some games where Galladay is the big targeted guy, but I don't think he'll consistently be the guy that leads the team in that department. I think it depends on the personnel they're going up against. And also, remember, game flow and game situations, Paul, also are going to dictate no doubt. Maybe you have more red zone opportunities, so you'll toss it to him a little bit more. Maybe it's one of those games where you're relying on explosive plays. That's also going to tell a lot in terms of Galladay's usage. Let's head back to the phone lines. Rich is in Florida, and he joins us now. What's happening, Rich?
2: Lance and uh, Godfather Dettino, always a pleasure, my friend. So, How are you? Paulie, <laughs> you, uh, you weren't here yesterday, but I'm listening to the show, yesterday's show, this morning in the gym, and I had to call in. You had a caller yesterday from Cape Cod, and he uh, professed that Jumbo Elliott, as a Giant, caught a touchdown pass. Well, I think he got confused.
4: As a Jet, he First, did.
2: <laughs> that's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. As, as we know, if, if, being a student of Giant history, Paul, and I am, as are you, you know, and, and most fans, even the newer fans, know that the Giants rarely run trick plays. Their idea of a trick play <laughs> their, their their idea their idea of a
4: their
2: idea of a trick play is a screen. They're the only team in the NFL for the last twenty years that can't run a screen.
4: All right, my man. I promise you this is not the Giants offense that you've seen for the last ten years. This is gonna be a whole new ball of wax. I promise you that.
2: Okay, I'll write that down and put it in my wallet. And this is this is some info for Lance and John, the younger troops and for younger folks in the audience. Lance, the colleague that's sitting right next to you, you probably don't know this, but back in the day in the old giant stadium, when uh, the godfather used to work for uh, W F A N they had a pregame show out in the parking lot. I mean 3
4: eleven three O in those days.
2: There you go. I'm pretty sure it was at gate five, so Every year, when the, my friends and I went up for our annual Giants reunion, they pushed me up there towards the booth because Mr. Detino was out there amongst the fans recruiting uh, bozos like me to play. To answer the questions. Giants. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, I think the only reason they pushed me up there is my friend uh, Ted wanted the Wendy's wanted me to win these watches for his family. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so they used you as the guinea pig, essentially. Did you win?
2: That's right. I did. I did. Good I, for you. I, um, I, so, like I said, I remember all, I remember that play with Jumbo, and I knew it was – in fact, it was on Monday Night Football. That's correct. Against the Dolphins. 1,000%. That's right. Vinny Testosterone was the Jets quarterback. And he, <laughs> Testosterone. He, <laughs> Testosterone. They <laughs> he's got yeah, a they for everybody. From, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they, they came back from a big deficit to win. But on a serious note, I thank you for answering that question on Tony earlier from uh, – Uh, that caller. But what about David Sills? Uh, I'm a big fan of him. My kids went to WBU. It appears just watching these videos that he's practicing full strength, but
5: yet he's not going to play.
2: Do you have any
5: insight on that? They expect him to be back, Paul. I Yes. Yeah, he should be in the mix this week.
4: I think he's going to get a good look against the Bengals, and you're right. All he's done during practice as a member of this practice squad is get things done out there. The problem is When you look at that wide receiver room, uh, you say to yourself, okay, uh, there's a lot of smaller guys who are elusive, who have quicks, who have speed. How much room is there for a bigger, taller target, a skyscraper, if you will, that doesn't have blazing speed? Well, usually the room can have one of those guys. It's kind of hard to carry more than one. Well, now this year's team looks like it may have two with Galladay and Colin Johnson. How in the world could you possibly fit David Sills onto the 53 in that wide receiver room? I I don't see how it's possible. I'd love to see him stick on the practice squad again, but I just don't see how he cracks the 53.
5: Yeah, it's a numbers game at this point.
7: Yeah,
2: exactly. I I agree. But my prayer, he was on the practice squad last year, and that's it. They're loaded at wide receiver, and I I hope he gets on the practice squad. Anyway, guys, have a blessed weekend.
5: All right, Rich, appreciate the phone call. Well, Sills, remember, he's been with the team for a few seasons now. He goes back to 2019 Mm -hmm. with the Giants. It's Mm -hmm. not just last year. He's been on the practice squad for a few seasons and at least in training camp. So they are familiar with him, at least the organization is. But it's not that he doesn't have talent and updives. Just there's a lot of guys in front of him. You can't keep everybody. Do I think that people are going to be knocking down the door to claim him? Off of waivers? No. I think he'd have a good chance probably to return to the Giants practice squad if they afforded him that opportunity. And then, hey, as injuries play out or whatever it may be, his number may be called at some point. But the initial 53, I think it's very tough sledding at this point. And
4: remember something, too. He originally came into the league as an undrafted free agent with the Buffalo Bills. Joe Shane knows all about Sills.
5: Sure. Sure. No, absolutely. And he's an athlete, because we're talking about a former quarterback, too. So they understand the ins and outs. He was with the Bills for a few months during that 2019 offseason, and the Giants signed him on the practice squad in September, right before the season started. And then since then, he's been in and out of the active roster and the practice squad for the Giants.
4: I mean, that's why he's still here, though. He's here because Shane knows of him thought he was worth keeping around, either as a good teammate or as a guy who might be able to compete and would certainly do the wide receiver room good as somebody at least who would be on the practice squad. I mean, there's no question, knowing the player like he does, if he didn't think anything of the player and didn't think there was any value, why bring him back?
5: Sure. Well, and he also has some chemistry with Daniel Jones having been here too, so it doesn't hurt to at least have some familiarity still in the mix as well. Let's head back to the lines. John is in Cape Cod joining us here. Speak of the devil on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, John?
7: <laughs> Good afternoon, guys. It's, Hi. Uh, always a pleasure. I can't get enough of your show. Hey, Paul, I, I because of this podcast problem, I've been chasing you for like a week. It's like, where's Waldo? You're You're your memory in Giants history is just incredible uh and I want to ask you a couple of quick questions and I'm not using the internet or Wikipedia on that because I've been watching them for a few years also uh my my birthplace is Kearney New Jersey does that mean anything to you
4: Alex Webster
7: that's right big red He, he had he actually worked for my father in the off season in the trucking business. That's how little money they were making back then. But the other two players I wanted to mention, who were high giant draft picks and just bad luck, bad karma. One was Larry Jacobson.
4: Nebraska. And the other... Defensive tackle. What's that? The, that the Nebraska right. defensive tackle, I believe
7: 1972. Yeah. Uh, stepped on a bottle at a pool in the off season. never played again. Mm-hmm. The other guy, the other guy, uh Troy Archer.
4: War number 77, defensive tackle, uh, was a terrific player when he came here, got into a car accident during the offseason. Uh he was driving his Jeep, I believe it might have been in Edgewater, New Jersey, and uh crashed his vehicle and unfortunately passed away. But but in the year or so or two years that he played with the Giants, it looked like he was going to be a real player.
7: Oh, he he was incredible as a rookie. Our seats mm-hmm. were right behind the giant bench, 10th row in the old stadium, sure. field level. And he was a beast, and then he, he got killed.
4: He uh, was very strong. And, and the thing about it, though, he was a bit of a wild personality. Yeah, and, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I can only say terrible, terrible, tragic car wreck for him. But this was a guy who did like to to, to live with some energy and some fun. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I
7: I remember the whole thing in the Bergen record because I lived in Ridgewood. I think he played next to Jack Gregory on the line.
4: Well, Gregory uh, was a defensive end. at At that right. time, he was next to John Mendenhall on the interior. Okay. You know, you okay. had you had Gregory and you had George Martin on, on the ends. This was this was now the late seventies. Uh, you had Gregory and Martin, and, and you had you had Mendy and uh, and Troy Archer inside.
7: Yeah, listen, I'll I'll leave you uh, Lance. the The Giants are carrying fourteen linebackers on the roster right now. How many do you think they're going to carry when the season opens?
5: Well, it's a good question, John, because I think a lot of it depends on offensive line injuries, secondary players, and how they feel about some of these guys in terms of cross-training, meaning do they look at some linebackers to have the ability to play inside and outside? Maybe that then allows you not to have to keep as many guys at one position. I would say in terms of total number, you're probably looking at of the 14, maybe they keep seven or eight, I would say. Nine, maybe, max. I don't see more than that. I'd be very surprised, Paul, if they keep double digits because here's the other thing. If Wink is going to take linebackers off the field more often than not, then the value of having that many guys on the roster diminishes. So I could see the edge guys. You keep more edge, but the interior, I think a lot will depend on the health and well-being of the rest of the roster how good they feel about Beavers coming out of the preseason because he has versatility, and the shape that Blake Martinez is in too. Let's not forget about that because Beavers and McFadden, I think they're high on. I think both of those guys have shown more than just flashes, smart players. Between those two, Crowder, Martinez, and then you get into the Carflin, Cam Brown area, You you may not have to keep more than maybe four of those interior linebackers, and that definitely changes the numbers game
4: you know I think what we're really getting caught up in here is is the semantics because you're right Lance Uh, I do think they will try to keep additional edge rushers now technically do you consider them outside linebackers again we're getting to the new nomenclature of what this league has turned out to be because we're, we're, we're starting to redefine names for the positions but it used to be Inside linebackers and outside linebackers included edge rushers, and therefore the answer to the question is yes. I do think they will keep an abundance of linebackers. But if you're going to take those linebackers out of the equation and consider them edge rushers, now that's a different position, and are you counting them as part of your front? Uh, It was clear today that uh, Coach Patterson, who coaches the defensive linemen, even though he was talking about Andre Thibodeau, uh, Andre, uh, Kavon Thibodeau. Too. That'd be yeah. some player. Yeah. <laughs> Thibodeau, in terms of his pass rush, and was was discussing his skills. He was also asked, "Is he in your room, or is he in the linebackers' room?" And Patterson, "Oh no, he's in the linebackers' room." So even though, and and I know you ran into this with some callers in the past, Lance, talking about, "Well, what is Thibodeau for the Giants?" Thibodeau is a linebacker. I know he's an edge rusher, but he is a linebacker. He is not a defensive lineman.
5: Well, and that goes back to the whole debate, and appreciate the phone call, John, when he was coming out of Oregon. Remember, we had this conversation. He was a defensive end in college but he's a linebacker on the NFL level. I always evaluate a draft pick based on what he played at the college level. So it's irrelevant to me. And I'm not saying your information is irrelevant, Paul. I'm just saying it's irrelevant to me what he's moving towards in the NFL. It was more about what he did on the collegiate level. But within the Giants game plan, yeah, he's going to be an outside linebacker within Wink's scheme. So once again, when you still got back to the numbers game, though, even if you want to include the edge rushers in this, I'm still thinking nine to ten is a good targeted number, though, Paul. Yeah. Unless you really think that they're going to go above and beyond, I just I don't think they have the luxury to keep maybe more than nine to ten guys at that position.
4: You know, a part of this is also going to be specials. You know, I talk about that all the time. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles for years have had one of the premier special teams units in football, regardless of who the coach was. And one of the reasons is because that organization actually values specials to such a degree that they will keep as many as three special teams demons. In fact, one year it was four guys who were honestly special teams demons, and they know they can barely play a lick of standard defensive or offensive series in games. That's how much they value special teams. They don't think it's a third of the game. They think it's more than that. That's what the Eagles' philosophy is. Now, Brandon Brown, okay, who's coming over from Philadelphia as the Giants' assistant general manager, he just had a conversation today. He didn't talk about it, but he was talking to the media today. This is a guy who comes from that line of thinking. So I just wonder, as he injects some of what he has to say into the mix, how much will the Giants value keeping uh, one, two, maybe three guys who they think are just going to be special teams demons? I don't know the answer to that. I just don't. And I think if they are going to keep a couple of those types of guys, that will come from the edge-rushing outside linebacker room, the Cam Browns of the world. Because of the length and so forth. I'm not so sure that Cam Brown is is good enough to earn a lot of reps ahead of guys like Oljolari and, and Thibodeau uh, and Ellison Smith if he's healthy. I'm not sure that Cam Brown can get reps from those guys. But do I think Cam Brown could be a really uh, important asset on specials? Absolutely I do.
5: And we saw some of those flashes in previous seasons. The game that always jumps out to me, Giants coincidentally playing the team they're playing this weekend, the Bengals, game in Cincinnati. Yes. This was the year Joe Burrow was hurt. Who do you think came up with the game-saving mm-hmm. tackle and midfield, which prevented the Bengals essentially from getting into field goal range to maybe win that game? It was Cam Brown. Yeah, He came up with it. So, yeah, yeah he's proven his value. It's just, once again, what you were talking about, if you're only going to play him as a special teamer, and you're not going to get him many opportunities on defense, do you have the luxury to hold a roster spot for him? That's the million-dollar question. And on top of that— Especially with all the injuries, Correct. The injuries make things even more convoluted. And I would say, my answer right now, if you were to put my back against the wall, I would say I don't think they have the luxury to hold on to guys, not Cam Brown in particular, but guys that just are special teamers. Two weeks from now, maybe the health of the roster changes— Conversation moves in a different direction. Right now, I would say I don't think they have that luxury. Yeah,
4: I, I suspect there'll be one. I think there'll be one guy who basically saves his job on the 53 because he's a special teams demon. I think there'll be one guy. I'm not even 100% sure who it's going to be right now, but I think there'll be one.
5: Lance Meadow, Paul Datino with you here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. few reminders before we move forward with the conversation Giants season tickets, they're on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you could visit Giants.com tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner, Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925. You can also visit Giants.com Suites. For this one, for more information.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
5: Let's reopen up the phone lines. We check in with Len in Maryland. What's happening, Len?
3: Hey, guys. How you doing?
5: Hey, Len. You right. What do you got? You first? know, as
3: we, as we get closer to... Um... Cutdown date, final cutdown to get to 53. Uh, I say this every year. You give 24 to the defense, 24 to the offense, five to the special teams coach, and there's your 53. And I think you have to, you know, that Eagles thinking, I wasn't aware of that, Paul, thanks for bringing it up. That kind of thinking, I, I, I think that's modern day. I think you have to think about five guys, you know, your kickers and your long snapper, and then there's two guys. I know most special teams coach, and when very often McGee says, well they have to be able to play another position. Uh, I'm not, you know, watching that game the other night. I'm not so sure that's that's true. Give me give me a Cam Brown. I'm um, Brown's one of my favorites, by the way. He he comes from a town just down the road from me, and I'm kind of rooting for the guy. I hope he makes it again. Um, you, you, you know, you talked about a uh, number of linebackers and um. I'm almost looking at the uh, D-line and the linebackers as being the front 15 uh, because so many of those guys are going to play with their hand in the ground and a lot of them will play standing up. I mean, they'll do the same thing. I mean, you, if you think about it, the only four down linemen on the roster are, are Williams, Lawrence, uh, the nose tackle that came over from Baltimore. Is it Mills? And, Jelly and Ellis. The rookie, yeah, yeah, and, and Ellis,
4: the rookie yeah. Davidson. Just, yeah, J- Jelly is Davis, the
3: name. Yeah, and the rookie Davidson. So, right. I mean, those four are the only guys that you could be sure are going to play with their hands on the ground. Uh, the other 11, I so, I mean, the way Wink is running this thing, I mean, there's going to be, Thibodeau is going to be standing up, and there's going to be some times when he's going to have his hand on the ground. So, sure,
5: they're going to be interchangeable. Yeah,
3: yeah I'm, so I keep thinking of that group as a front 15. What do um, they do with Jihad Ward? Yeah, there you go. Well, he's the odd—he's the odd guy. I mean, you got those four; Ward can play there. Um, I mean, but he's almost at he,
4: ninety pounds. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, <laughs> to say that he could play down, well, is not a stretch. That's—that's that's some of what he can do.
3: Yeah, and he may be. Maybe they're only going to keep five. Maybe they see Ward as the fifth guy.
5: Well, considering he was with Wink in Baltimore, I, I think there's some value there. There's a reason yeah. why they brought him over. So I I don't think they necessarily look at him as the add-on. I think they look at him as a valuable guy, assuming, of course, he's healthy because, you know, he's also been one of the players that is banged up. But, yeah, I mean, the numbers game, we could sit here and label guys accordingly. I mean, as you said, at the end of the day, it's just got to add up to 53. And just to give you an (laughs) idea, last year – They kept, I'm bringing up the, this is the final 53-man roster in terms of when they made the announcement. Then there obviously were different versions, but they kept 10 linebackers and they kept five defensive linemen. That was the breakdown last year when they announced the 53. Right,
3: right. I remember, uh, you know, Ward, I I saw a little bit of Ward because he played down here with the Ravens. And uh, I watched some Ravens games. Um, I, I, I like him as a player. I tell you, he's... He's got a little edge to him,
4: I, yes he does. I
3: think I think I think we're going to like this guy. He's got a little edge to him. He's going to bring something to the field that maybe we haven't seen as much of in the in the past, uh, and obviously Martindale likes him. hey, quick co- quick comment on the um ring, ring of honor uh, guys uh, all all deserving obviously and and that Monday night is going to be a great night. I mean, it's a Monday night game, the cowboys. Uh, Ring of Honor inductees. I think it's throwback jersey night, too. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a fun night. But I was really pleased to see them go back and pick up some guys from the 50s. I mean, my Lord, that went back 71 years from the day he was drafted to get Kyle Road. Um And Patton is like 65 years. And Patton, I always thought, I just don't really understand why Patton isn't in the Hall of Fame. He's a terrific football player. And the guy I want to see get into that ring of honor, and I'm going back into the 50s now, you know, we have one guy in the Hall of Fame who played his whole pro career with us and is not in the ring of honor. A defensive lineman named Arnie Weinmeister. Mm -hmm. Back from the the early 50s. And I'll tell you, this guy, from what I've read and seen of him, because I saw games back in those days, he, he was he was literally unblockable. I mean, he belongs in the ring, and I hope someday we reach back there and, and get him. Hey, listen, the Bengals, you know, I I mean, this could get ugly. Eventually, the opposition has got to play their players. I mean, they got to get ready for the regular season, too. I know we're not going to see Burrow, but I think we're going to see a good portion of their starters are going to play this game. And, well, it depends
5: uh, on, you know, what Zach Taylor's thinking is, Lou Anarumo. I think the point Paul was making, I would echo it, is, You got a lot of continuity on that roster, Len. The Giants are the complete opposite end. The Bengals, they're bringing back the majority of their weapons. Granted, their offensive line is new, so I do think there's value in getting some of those new offensive linemen out there. But Anarumo, who is with the Giants, I mean, his defense, he's got a lot of those guys coming back. So he may say to himself, yeah, I mean, what we're doing in practice, joint practices, is sufficient enough.
3: Yeah, when when you look at that roster, Lance, and I I think you just made the point, but when you look at that roster, they they are really good. <laughs> I mean, they got a lot of good players. Um you just want one at say, simply at every level. I mean, that's that's a very good. I'm I'm glad we're not playing them in the regular season. That's that's for sure.
4: <laughs> okay, Len, I I now have uh done a little bit of clicking on the uh, web and Zach Taylor has told the Bengals media uh he does not expect to play any of the starters. Okay,
3: hey, well, okay, hey. That, well, I don't, I don't want to say that's good, but thank, thank you for that information. Hey, one more thing. Um, you know, what, one thing I'm worried about, and you, you guys haven't chatted about this. So maybe you can give it one minute of conversation. The blocking by the running backs. Wow. I mean, I mean, we know, we know about Barkley. Are these other guys able to block? I mean, Burita Williams. Brightwell, Corbin, I'll go to Plattscom.
5: I mean, I'm a little concerned about... Well, I mean, Len, not to cut you off, but keep in mind, Brightwell was a special teamer, so I don't think that that's something new and riveting for him to get involved in. I mean, he's a physical guy. You play on all four special teams units when you're in college, you better embrace the physicality. They're not going to put you out there. Breida was a third-down back for Buffalo, even going back to his other stop. So if you're in for third down, you're in for passing situations. If they don't toss you the ball, they clearly have some faith in your ability to block. And Platts Gummer, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of NFL experience, yeah, so I don't yeah, want to speak about obviously. him. But those other two, I wouldn't yeah. be overly concerned because of the roles they've taken on over the course of their college careers or NFL careers.
3: Okay. Well, um, so you you don't you don't share a concern Lance
5: no, Curry. I'm not overly. Okay. C- if your question is, am I concerned about the blocking yeah. ability of those other, those yeah. other two backs I specifically name? Not everybody. Those specific two. No, my answer yeah. would be no. Not overly concerned. Okay. Yeah. Hey,
3: go, Gi- go Giants. Thanks for taking my call.
5: You got it. Appreciate the phone call. I know that this is a popular topic on the show just out of interest because I was looking up Arnie Weinmeister, Paul, and mm-hmm. you know this goes back even before your time, which yes, is a he stretch does. for me to even say because <laughs> normally we say you've been around since the leather helmets. Yes, He only played for the Giants. I mean, granted, he didn't have a very lengthy career in general, but he was only with the Giants from 50 to 53. I just wonder if that may play a role as to why he's not in the Ring of Honor, just not a very lengthy career. With the Giants overall. It would, would not argue.
4: surprise me. I mean, I, I as I, rec- the only, I know of him. I don't know a lot about him. I do know he was like an all star, and, and it was, this was the early 50s, I want to say. Yep. But, but the, the duration of time, I, I got to feel that that's a big part of it. Um,
5: Because remember, it's not. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's not when you're doing the Giants Ring of Honor. It's more of the impact the guy had on the organization, not necessarily in the eyes of the NFL community, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different. And to answer your question, he was four-time first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler within those four seasons with the Giants so he made a big impact and a big punch but it's just a very short period of time in comparison to some of these other players we're talking and
4: about. you know what's really tough and I'm not disrespecting any of the players who played in the early parts of this franchise's history but it's often been said that the NFL came into its modern era in 1958 When the Giants beat the Colts in the sudden death overtime NFL championship game, because that was the first game that was nationally televised from the National Football League all around the country. And so that's been the line of demarcation between the modern era of the NFL and the true old timers. I tend to also list another line of demarcation, 1970, when the AFL and NFL merged together and became the AFC and the NFC under one NFL crest. Uh, So, you know, again, depending upon how you you want to put those lines, he becomes part of a one-two-third kind of, of era removed. From where we are today, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it's very difficult to try to mix guys from those different eras into the same pot as you try to justify whether or not he should go in.
5: Well, and that's why I look at it more of the tenure with the team than anything else. I mean, just to give you an example, and... I know we've been spending a lot of time, but it was interesting given the player that was brought up, Jimmy Padden, who is going into the Ring of Honor. Yes. He was with the Giants from 55 to 66. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's 12 seasons right there, Paul. Five NFL championship games. Correct. Well, but forget that. Forget the championship games. I'm not even putting that up there because, once again, Weinmeister had a great resume as an individual player. I'm just looking at it. Duration. Longevity Mm -hmm. with the team. I think that's part of the criteria to justify a spot in the Ring of Honor.
4: And Patton was a true impact player. He hit people like a bus. Uh, One of those safeties who, you know, you would want to put in the Atwater and Joey Browner type of, uh, you know, Gary Fensick and Durson. And one of those safeties who would really let you know. They would smack you across the middle. And Patton was also good in run support. Very, very strong, hard-hitting player. The kind of guy who breathed the grit. And the toughness of New York.
5: Let's head back to the lines at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. AJ is in South Carolina joining us. What's happening, AJ?
6: Oh, uh, thank, oh, uh, thanks for taking my call. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, Errol Watson uh, struggling in the uh, first uh, preseason game. Uh, do you think the Giants should uh, sign a veteran cornerback? I know. Wayne more than those. Jimmy Smith. Well, you're talking
5: about the connections that Wink has and appreciate the phone call to some guys that may be out there. I haven't looked that carefully, Paul. I don't know if you have in terms of who's still out there on the cornerback market, but I think it goes back to, and we were asked a lot of these questions in the offseason. And by the way, Wink spoke very highly of Aaron Robinson. It's important to note that when he Mm -hmm. spoke to the media the other day, Paul, because I understand he had that rough series, and nobody's going to dispute that. The penalties, you got to clean that stuff up. But Wink was very defensive of Aaron Robinson, saying he's had a strong camp. He believes in him. And the reason I'm bringing up that commentary is I think the philosophy of Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and Wink is we've got a young group. We're going to give these guys every opportunity during the preseason and training camp, to show who they are. As opposed to bringing in veterans to put them ahead of the depth chart and then back these young guys up. And also, I would think if they were that concerned, Paul, look at the clock. Look at the date. August 19th. You're already at your second preseason game. You start bringing in a veteran, even if he has some relationship to your coordinator, he's going to be having missed a bulk of your off-season program in camp. You can't expect him to come in and just like that, wave the magic wand and make an immediate impact. So I think that's more of an indication they're going to ride it out with this youth movement and they're going to have confidence that these guys will continue to grow through the ups and downs this season.
4: I expect that you're right. I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, For me, you'll recall that for months during the off-season, I had suggested if they wanted some insurance on the boundary – That Desmond Trufant,
5: former Falcon, is a
4: guy who you know I was really kind of thinking to myself would be a really good fit because the Giants are just about five million under the cap right now, and by the time they deal with the injuries and by the time they sign their practice squad guys, I assume they will fill out the practice squad. They'll probably have to spend about another three out of that five that they have, which is going to leave them approximately two million bucks for wiggle room during the course of the season, and that is a very slim margin. So they don't have an awful lot of cash to throw around here, whether they want to go after a veteran corner or they want to go after a veteran offensive lineman to support these uh, these positions. It, it's, it's really nickel and dime right now. And, look, I think that Trufant, as a veteran who's done some stuff in this league, has experience and has been a quality player uh, at points during his career when he wasn't hurt, uh, I I suspect he'd come in for the veteran minimum. So I would throw his name out there again as somebody who would be on my radar.
5: Well, you do bring up a good point, though, about the financial restraints, and that does play a role. How much money do you want to start spending before the season even starts? And that's
4: a very risky proposition.
5: Because remember, you got a long marathon. You got to get through 17 games. I mean, they're already making changes on the offensive line in terms of transactions. And I'm not saying these undrafted rookies are taking up big bucks with respect to the remaining cap space. But it adds up. You don't know what the team's going to look like three weeks from now. You don't know what week seven is going to bring. No. So I think Joe Shane is at least thinking to himself, is it a matter of just bringing in a guy because we want to push one of the youngsters? Or do we really need a veteran corner at this point? And – I don't think the need is overwhelming where you need to bring in a veteran, even if he has a connection to Wink Martindale's scheme, because you're not pleased with the development of the guys. Now, if some of these guys get hurt, maybe the conversation changes. But you got Aaron Robinson, you got Darnay Holmes still out there, you got a Dory Jackson. Flot is going to return. It's not a long injury that should keep him sidelined. Right. So those four we mentioned Radarius Williams. I mean we already went through five guys that are young with the exception of Adori who have been here all off season. If those numbers dramatically change, I think it's maybe something revisiting. I don't think it's an overwhelming urgency right and now. And
4: there's one other option here, Lance, and we can't forget about this and I know you guys answered this I think for cover three or cover four this week. Uh let's not forget there's going to be a ton of players that come available in that final cutdown, yep. and maybe, maybe they've got their eye on a guy or two who they're pretty damn well sure is going to get cut off of somebody's really good depth chart. And the Giants are going to be pretty high on the waiver wire. Well, they're Just going to remember, be fifth, because yeah, because, it's because draft spot It goes until to we last get, year, right? It yeah, goes to get last get, year's record. Four
5: weeks into the season, it then starts the till
4: October, I believe. Yep. So. They're going to be pretty high on that claim list. They they might believe that they've got a shot to get some guys who, in their minds, are targeted to be slashed.
5: Yeah. No, I think... That is an extremely valid point, and I could very well see that. Remember, they're digging into other preseason games. Actually, you brought up, and there's a good final note to end the program, you mentioned Brandon Brown, the assistant GM. One of the things he did talk about Mm -hmm. was him balancing getting ready for the college football season to start scouting for next year's draft, but also monitoring other preseason games and looking for players that could become available during the waiver process as everybody cuts down their rosters to 50 and he could recommend to Joe Shane, we should maybe put a claim in to this guy. Or I'm sure I guarantee you Wink and Dable and any other member of the coaching staff who's been around the league may have a list of players. Hey, keep an eye out. If these guys become available, we should take them into consideration. They're absolutely, I'm sure, going to delve into that pond because there is going to be hundreds of guys that are going to either not have an opportunity or to be on an NFL roster or change uniforms instantaneously.
4: Lance, that just happened with Elijah Griffin, the cornerback special teams guy who they former picked Bill. up yesterday, yeah. just got waived by the Bills. Shane and Dable know all about this kid, this yep. former USC player. And as soon as he was available, boom, Giants grabbed him. Obviously, they knew who he was and they had their eye on him, and they must have thought he was going to get cut. He did get cut, and so the phone call was made.
5: And with that, that wraps up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. So the preseason game is Sunday evening. 7 p.m. Eastern. We will be on the air on WFAN for our Giants Radio Network pregame show at 6 p.m. Eastern, and then of course you can watch the game in the local New York market on NBC. And is this one of those games on NFL Network, Paul? As yes, well, it is. Or it is okay. So there out you go. of market, live on so, NFL Network. So you're covered out of market, but we will have our pregame show starting on WFAN at 6 p.m. Eastern, and then Monday show we'll be back to discuss the ins and outs. 3 p.m. Of everything. Correct. It moves to 3 p.m. Eastern starting next week because of the accommodation of the new practice schedule. So you have a little bit more flexibility in your day, 2 to 3. You can take care of whatever you want. Then 3 o'clock, make sure you tune in to the Giants app as well as Giants.com. A reminder, today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we will speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.